Okay, so I want to go over some of my notes that I took for the interview with Katerina Fake on the Tim Ferriss Show. Katerina is probably most well-known for being a co-founder of Flickr, but she's started a number of companies, including Hunch and her current company, YesVC. And she's just got a really interesting perspective. So I just want to pull out some of the, the highlights that stuck out to me. So first she says, I think people who come from outside an industry have a superpower. You are able to see things in a different way compared to people who have spent all of their time within an industry. Before the internet happened, I was planning on getting a PhD in Renaissance literature. The internet was an alternative path for me. So she talked at length on the podcast about how her love of literature and poetry and the humanities really informs the kind of companies that she started and now as an investor, the kind of companies she invests in. And she feels that because of her perspective, she sees opportunities that other may, others may miss. So she, said, uh, she goes on to to suggest how we could apply this to our own life. She says, I can encourage people to emphasize the parts of themselves that are different from the mainstream expectation of who you're supposed to be. Coming from a different direction is almost always an advantage. Another way I've heard this quote said in the past is, you don't have to be better, you just have to be different. So when you're thinking of a company to start or a product to create, that's usually a good thing to keep in the back of your mind. So she talked a little bit about the history of Flickr. I've covered this on a previous note, so I'm not, uh, not going to cover it too much here. But this part um, I think is important. She says, we didn't set out to start Flickr. We were in the process of building something different, a game. This was right after the dot-com bust. We couldn't get fun funding for our game. And Flickr was a Hail Mary that turned into a successful business. Things were different back then. We looked at Flickr as an online community as opposed to social media. I'm going to talk about more, more about that in a minute. And then she talks about what the attributes she sees, not only in herself, but other entrepreneurs that are really helpful um, for them accomplishing whatever they're trying to do. And it says, there's some entrepreneurs that are just so bullheaded and stubborn. They won't quit. Companies go out of business when the founders quit, when they stop, when they can't take it anymore. And so then she was asked a question about like, how did you guys get Flickr off, uh, like Flickr off the ground? And uh, Tim said, is it true your team would manually greet everyone who came to Flickr in order to build the community? And she says, yeah, in the first three months of Flickr, each team member would post in the forums 50 times a day. They were commenting on people's photographs. We were very strong participants in this community as it was being built. I'm a big believer in this. And she has a lot of thoughts on this. She actually wrote a, um, an article, which I linked to in the email. And she says, I wrote an article for Wired talking about how the founders are the Abraham. So she's talking about the, the figure Abraham from the Bible. She says, in the Bible, Abraham begat a person, that person begat someone else, and so on and so forth. I believe the entrepreneur is the Abraham of the company. They dictate what the behavioral practices of the community are. And she thinks this is integral to building a successful online community. She says, all, the, all of these things are how communities are built. Contributing to the conversation all the time is a really important part of building an online community, meaning if you're the one starting it, in their case, not only were the, the founders of Flickr contributing to the community, but everybody that worked there as well. And she says, uh, this, this I, I agree with as someone being old enough and I was on the internet before there was such thing as social media. And usually um, at the time, like when you were talking to other people, whether it be chat rooms or forums, it was an online community. That's what they were called. And they were usually centered around interests. And so she says, um, things went off the rails when online, community was, when online communities were renamed and repackaged as social media. Then it became a media platform in which people's attention could be sold. That's very different than building a community from the ground up. 
I actually thought that that uh, perspective was was really unique. Um, being and then she talks about another. Um, she repeats this point that being different is an advantage. There are many things about me that are not typical. Coming from a humanities background gave me a special view of the way uh, a social view that that other people weren't seeing. And then she, um, she talks about like why like why is she an entrepreneur? Why is this so important to her? I talk about this all the time on Founders Podcast about when I'm reading all these biographies of of entrepreneurs like. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons people want to do that. Maybe they have a, they have a problem they just have to solve, or maybe they want to make a lot of money. Some people want like uh, attention or whatever the case is. But almost all the time, it comes down to control. And Katarina says something that's very important um, when you think about like what what's the sum of life? That's just the time we have. And she says one of the reasons I'm an entrepreneur is so I can manage my own time. I think the highest quality of living comes from being the master of your own time. Um. Something uh, she also brings up, which I think uh, definitely resonates with me and something I try to do. It's one of my theories on cultural movements right now is there's a very strong desire to simplify your life. We want protection against being constantly bombarded with information and choices. So she talks about like she invested in one company. I don't remember the name, um, but it, you can order like stuff that people use all the time. Uh, let's say shampoo or soap or things that you use for your house. And instead of you know going into a grocery store and seeing 15 different shampoos or 100 different shampoos, they, ha- they carry one. And they just send it directly to your house. Uh, there's another. I took notes on another founder in the past um, that that started a company that's very similar to that. It's called Brandless, and they do the exact same thing. And it, it all has to do with the the paradox of choice. And uh, as with most things, especially in the information age, we're overwhelmed with not only information but different choices. And you know, I think people the, the success of these companies kind of speaks to the um, the theme that you know people want some kind of uh, solution to the paradox of choice. Um, so she says, when I'm my most productive self, I'm online a lot less. I would not only say maybe this affects your productivity, but I also think like when you're really in the moment or just appreciating your life. So recently, uh, me and my wife just had our, uh, one, uh, wedding anniversary. We went away for a weekend. Our daughter was taken care of by our in-laws and I use Twitter quite a lot. I don't tweet that much. Um, but I use it as, you know, an information source and, um, just a way to, to, to get new ideas. And I noticed after being away the whole weekend, usually I, I check it every day, maybe multiple times a day. And I opened it back up after the weekend was over. I was like, wow, I must've been enjoying myself because <laughs> I haven't checked it in like two or three days. So I thought that was interesting. And here's a quote that Katarina, it's from Charles uh, Darwin that uh, Katarina really likes. And she says, if I had, uh, this is Charles Darwin speaking, if I had my life to live over again, I would have made it a rule to read some poetry and listen to some music at least ev- once every week. For perhaps the part of my brain now atrophied would have been kept alive through life. The loss of these tastes is a loss of happiness. So he uh, give you some context there. He felt he was just like a calculation machine of just facts and figures and thoughts. And um, this kind of reminded me um, of what Steve Jobs used to say about Bill Gates, where he would say, hey, like, you know, Bill's a great businessman, but you can see in his products that he, that he didn't really have a broad set of experiences. Like life is much more broad than that. And that, you know, um, Steve thought he was sitting at the in- inter- intersection between technology and, uh, and liberal arts or the humanities. I can't remember which uh, word he used, but that kind of influenced because he had all these different experiences that influenced the way he would make products. So I think that's kind of what Darwin's um, speaking to here, that it's good to focus. But you, if you have a variety of interests, those interests can actually inform the work that you do. 
And this is a Katarina mentioned a, an essay she has on her website. I also linked to it, and it's about behavior you see on social media. And I thought this was important because um, I think, well, you know, I think we can kind of brainwash ourselves into thinking that other people's lives are better than they are. And she says, social peacocking is life on the internet without the shadow. It is an incomplete representation of a life, a half of a person, a fraction of the wholeness of a human being. So you can read more about this idea of the shadow on her website. And then finally, she just has a bunch of book recommendations, uh, which I also linked in the email. How Buildings Learn, What Happens After They're Built, Labyrinths by Jorge Luis Borges, The Odyssey by Homer, A Tomb for Boris Davidovich, Hannah Versus the Tree, The End, The Emigrants by W.G. Sebald. And um, what I, one thing I love about Tim's podcast, he always asks this this great question, like which is which are the books that you give as gifts the most? Because I think that speaks a lot about who you are as a person. So she uh, she mentioned three drawings and observations, the principles of uncertainty, and then this one, which I read and highly recommend, letters of note, an eclectic collection of correspondence deserving of a wider audience. It's one of those great books. You don't have to sit and read it all at once. You can leave it out in like your living room or next to your bed or something. You just pick it up, read a couple notes. Um, it's very very fascinating. Um, Okay, and that's it. I'll be back tomorrow with um, some more ideas from a different founder.